Thanks for choosing to spend time in the studio with Michael Card. What you're about to hear in this podcast was recorded several years ago in Franklin, Tennessee. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed since this was first broadcast, the messages discussed in these conversations still ring true. This session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. Listen now to this program from the archives. And welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. This is going to be a classic edition of the program, Michael, but we're going to put a new face on it here, so to speak. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is uh, this is uh, like everybody that's been important in my life for years, all in one program. I mean, how cool is yeah, that? Well, not only are we going to hear from Dr. William Lane, your beloved mentor later yes. in the broadcast, but uh, someone who's just as special to me, and I know to you as well, Donald Cole. Both these men are with the Lord now, but we'll be hearing from Pastor Cole here as well. So these are actually very old recordings right. from some of our first days of uh, relating together on the radio. Yeah. Well, and plus we have Scott Rowley, who's my best friend, and we have Fernando yep, Ortega. Right? Who, uh, you know, all these great, uh, I can't believe Some guy named Fernando Ortega will join us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so let me give you the outline. We're going to hear from Michael uh, as he sings here in just a moment. And sprinkle throughout the program, we'll hear some music from Mike. And then uh, Don Cole from the archive. And then later, Scott Rowley, Dr. William Lane, and Fernando Ortega on the theme of worship will come wow. up in this conversation today as well. So that is, to me, a very special program. And I yeah. hope our listeners will stay with us for it. We always appreciate the comments we get, Mike, and they're so deep, and I really appreciate them. Here's here's Roberta who wrote to us. She says, The music and lyrics you produced back in the 80s and 90s gave me God's words from my experiences in a way that allowed me to worship Him even in the midst of great grief and pain. There have been many mountains and valleys since, and my husband and I are in another valley that seems harder than the others. God is still using your music to minister His words to us in a dark and struggling place. Thank you, Roberta wow. says. Wow. Well, I can tell you what I'm learning, Wayne, is that if if something we do, uh, people find really helpful um, to to the extent that Roberta has found these things helpful, it really has nothing to do with us, does it? I mean, if it's really helping you, that's the Lord helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's get started and go back to the archive now. We'll be hearing from Don Cole here in just a moment, but first... Michael comes to sing a studio recording. Ken Lewis was uh, playing percussion on this song. How long? I'll count her off. One, two, one, two.
Look on me and give an answer to the Lord How long, how long Give me light or I can live no more How long will you hide And so I sing for what I'm hoping of How long, how long How I trust in your unfailing love How long will you hide That is Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? Michael Card. And while Michael makes his way back over here to our conversation corner of the studio, Don Cole is with us here. Uh, Don, as you uh, hear Psalm 13, it must make you think of the, the years that you spent in Angola and all the hardships that you witnessed there. Well, especially recent months that we spent in Angola. Since 1997, we've made four visits And while we were there, we found that some of the Lord's people had become very discouraged, Hmm. and they sounded biblical. I think you pointed out, Michael, that the the complaints in the Psalms are quite numerous. And just backing up to the 10th Psalm, why, O Lord, you stand afar off? The 12th Psalm, help, Lord, for the godly are no more. Hmm. And what it says to me is not only that there is this honesty, this integrity in Scripture, nobody is faking anything. Mm -hmm. It also said that the relationship of the psalmist, these people with their God, was a very real, vital relationship. We tend to start off our prayers, Lord God Almighty and Creator of heaven and earth and all of the rest of it, and give a theological discourse, Mm -hmm. whereas oftentimes we simply feel in our hearts we'd like to get closer to Him. They did, Hmm. like Jeremiah. Boy, there was nobody quite like Jeremiah. (laughs) He told God he'd actually deceived him. He said, Lord, you deceived me. Hmm. And he also said, will you become like a brook that has gone dry in my time of trouble? Hmm. So consistent with faith in God is the experience of hardship that tests you to the point where you say, Lord, you're hiding from me. You're not there. Mm. Michael, we hear a different gospel preached in America today, don't we? We do. We, don't, we certainly don't hear the honest, biblical, sort of relational gospel that uh, Pastor Cole is talking about, where you do, you get so close to God that, that, that those sort of exchanges can happen. Mm. When, I, when I needed you the most, that's when you were the farthest from me. I mean, the source of that sort of a heart cry is a is a real relationship with God, not mm, yeah. uh, a phony. Recently, I heard some people, some Angolan people where I was, I'm talking about sincere, devout Christians who have nothing. Mm. And they were talking to God in prayer. The war resumed again, and many of them had become refugees for the third time, mm. lost everything they possessed. And they said in their prayers, Lord, we've had enough. 
you know we've had enough. And we, we hope that this will stop. And mm-hmm. so they had a full day of prayer. All of the churches in the city came together in the pouring rain. They met in the church building, mm-hmm. sat there wet. And a common thread through all of their prayers was, Lord, we've had enough. Please stop this war. Mm-hmm. And there is a text in Isaiah 64 that I heard quite a few times. It was, rend the heavens and come down. Mm. Africans like that imagery. There's the whole canopy of the sky above, and it's as if God, who's up above the stars, reaches down, rips that canopy, and comes down and does what he ought to do. Mm. And they say, you should have done it a long time ago. Yeah, what we've been waiting for him to do. <laughs> We're talking about these uh, hard places that we sometimes find ourselves in as followers of Christ today. Michael, you sang Psalm 13 for us. Would you read Psalm 13 for us here? I'd love to. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And that's where it always resolves, isn't it? In a realization of who God is and what he's done. Absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me of the 90th Psalm. Do you mind if I digress? Not at all. This is a Psalm of Moses, and he says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. The next paragraph, you turn men back to dust, Mm. saying, return to dust, O sons of men. Now, we are consumed by your anger. This Psalm 90 by Moses, if it was indeed by Moses, as I believe it was, was an expression of his sorrow and at the same time profound faith when he was told, you will never enter the promised land. You're going to die in the wilderness, just like all of the others in this generation, 20 years and older. Mm. And so you'll never see the promised land. So what he says to God is, well, you've always been the promised land. You are the promised Mm. land. You are my dwelling place. A great expression of faith in the midst of extreme sorrow. And that has been the experience of God's choicest saints from the very beginning. Pastor Cole, you have witnessed this firsthand in a place that you spent many years in and have, have spent much time in recently, the country of Angola. We like to sing about being carried to heaven on flowery mm-hmm. beds of ease. Um, how do you how do you reconcile what you see in the Angolan Christians and what they're going through and, and what you come home to here? Well, the sharp contrast. I think that we American Christians have benefited for one reason or another. We could discuss this endlessly mm. from our particular culture and our history. But when the history of the people of God has been written... The experiences of Christians for the past hundred years in the United States will be a mere footnote Hmm. in the whole story. That's right. That's good. It's simply a blip. Because what is characteristic of the people of God is suffering. Jesus himself 
told his disciples to take up a cross. And the cross is the symbol of Christian experience. There are other theological insights, levels of meaning. I had a great experience when I was in Angola the recent time. The lieutenant governor of the vast province, which is about the size of the state of Tennessee, huge province, came to see me. And he said, every morning when I get up, I walk out onto my porch, I turn east, and I see this church that you are building. And I see that concrete cross over the lintel. And he said, Senor Cole, you should illuminate that cross. I said, we have illuminated it, and we're going to illuminate it again by crucified lives. Mm. Wow. Mm. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> so that's the way we're going to illuminate. No mm. light bulbs, but by crucified lives, because that cross is a symbol of the kind of life these Christians are going to live. Mm. And they are. But suffering, I have experienced hardly any suffering. The only suffering I experience is when I weep with those who weep. And I tell you, it's uh, it's an emotional time to go back to Angola at this time and to see what many of these saintly people have been put through. And that is repeated uh, many places around the world, not around just Angola. Around the world, Angola is just one. Who ever heard of Angola? Hmm. And yet the the problems in Angola, the suffering, the magnitude is greater than in Yugoslavia, whether Bosnia, Kosovo, Macedonia. Between the middle of December and the end of March 1999, as many as 10,000 people were killed. I'm talking about a population of 11 million, Mm. 10,000 people killed, and an additional 650,000 became displaced. And we are talking not about pagans and others. Christians are part. They share what their society is experiencing. Michael, I think we're trying to be honest about the reality of our journey of faith in hard places. We ourselves, people listening, may or may not be in those hard places or have not been there yet. But the point is that we identify with those who are. Yeah, I was going to interrupt, or or we haven't stood with people who are in those places yet. I I wonder if uh, we as American Christians aren't more often called to do what Pastor Cole has done, and that is to go and weep with those who weep. I mean, genuinely stand alongside Christians from Pakistan and China and the Sudan and Angola. And another thing that we haven't mentioned also is that more Christians have died in this century than all other Christian centuries combined. Wow. More martyrs for Christ. It's it's roughly one Oklahoma City bombing a day. Mm. That's how many people are dying right now for Christ in the world. And we in America live as if it, it were, weren't happening at all. And so I, I think you're right, Wayne. I think we're called to stand with those brothers and sisters and, and live what I call a, a fellow prisoner mentality. The writer yes. of Hebrews says to stand with those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And that's what we need. Yes. Joining us on Join the Journey here today with Michael Card is Pastor Don Cole from the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Pastor, you had a very good friend, a pastor friend, who literally was shot to death just very recently. Yes, he was. He was a superb person, a great preacher, 
fun to be with. And he was an old man by Angolan standards. He was at least 50. Hmm. Life expectancy now is about 45 or 6. But uh, when the city was being sieged, a few soldiers infiltrated it, and a couple of them challenged him and said, Who are you? And he identified himself as an evangelical pastor. And then without a word, they shot him to death, Hmm. just killed him. I went there, and I went to the funeral, African style. You go to visit a funeral. It may have happened five years earlier, but you still have to do that if you haven't done it. Hmm. And his widow, a woman whom I knew, I knew her parents, she came out, and and we stood weeping and uh, hugging. And then we had to sit down African style as she had to relate the whole story mm-hmm. from the very beginning, word for word. And I had the great joy of leaving money with her. And the excuse was to participate in the funeral. Mm-hmm. Actually, she'll buy food with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. My son, Andrew, went with me twice, and he is a clinical psychologist. His life has been changed by the experience of going to Africa Uh, although he was a boy when he left there. But he said a couple of times, in spite of the containers of goods that we'd shipped out there, he said, what we are really doing here is giving them hope. Mm -hmm. And I would like to get hold of the elders and the deacons and the pastors of every church I know of in this country and say, when are you going to send a group of people to some mission field where people are troubled? to give them hope and a sense of fellowship. Mm. I am so glad you mentioned that, Pastor Cole. Michael, uh, we want to leave people today with uh, not only just identifying with uh, believers who go through hard times, but Christ promises uh, the overcomers that he will be their strength and their source. And actually, you have a song about that. Yeah, and we began our discussion, Pastor Cole was talking about the image of the heavens being a rent and Christ coming down. Of course, that's what we have in Revelation, the, the final fulfillment of that promise. Because, uh, I mean, also in, in Revelation, we have a group of people also saying, how long? Right. You know, the mm-hmm. martyrs are still mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. going, how long? And we see Christ coming in glory. And that is what we're expectantly longing for. So your song, which we want to ask you to sing now, To the Overcomers, is taken from those pictures from Revelation. It is, because they're, they're, uh, the, the only consistent promise that's made in those seven letters in the introduction of Revelation is a promise that's made to a group of people who are identified as the overcomers. And, of course, the great overcomer in the book of Revelation is Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, joined by Ken Lewis, percussionist here today, Michael Card, enjoying the journey to the overcomers. I know your deeds I've seen your service I recognize the reputation of your lives But I know you live near Satan's shadow And I have seen your faithful struggle to survive And to the one who overcomes I'll give the manna He'll have a pure white stone with his own secret name She will possess the morning star in all its splendor 
All this and more for them Because they overcame So just hold on And do not grow weary For I am he who searches hearts and minds Behold I'm standing at the door And I am knocking And the one who hears and opens it will find That the one who overcomes will rule the nations On the throne he'll sit beside me dressed in white She will become a column in God's holy temple And they will all eat freely from the tree of life And they will all eat freely from the tree of life The overcomers come to understand That they are precious poems printed In the palms of his hands And to the one who overcomes I'll give the manna He'll have a pure white stone With his own secret name She will possess the morning star In all its splendor All this and more for them Because they overcame All this and more for them Because they overcame All this and more for them Because they overcame Oh, I like that song, Michael. It's so full of scripture. And it recalls a text in 1 Peter chapter 4. Because what God wants us to do is to become overcomers. And here's the exhortation. The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And so on. It's fascinating how practical He becomes Mm -hmm. in view of the future. Then, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering Mm. as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I remember quoting that years ago to an African pastor who'd been beaten up because of his faith. Mm. And I felt cheap doing it because I had not been beaten up. He had. Actually, they'd shaved his eyebrows off and put him out in the sunlight to hoe a road Mm. so that the sweat would run into his eyes. Mm. I read that scripture to him. And when I said, Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. His face was suffused with joy. I've never forgotten it. It began to shine. It was as if he felt, well, thank you, Lord. Like Peter, I'm going to thank you for the privilege of having suffered for the name of Christ. Well, he ends the chapter, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to get even? (laughs) How about you reading the verse properly? And and continue to do good. 
That's mm. it. Mm. And to do good. That's it. Yeah. And one more verse from chapter 5 I just wanted that, that also ties into what you were saying, Pastor Cole. You know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Uh, none of us will be free until all of us are free. And so that many of, is a great thought. To, so many of us are in prison for Christ. So perhaps one of the lessons for us today here, Pastor Cole, is uh, to identify, uh, deeply identify with believers who are suffering for their faith. Amen. And, and uh, as you said earlier, to weep with those who weep. That's right. That is indeed correct. We're part of the body of Christ. The metaphor that he uses of the body is deliberate, well thought out. If one of the members suffer, all of the members suffer. Mm-hmm. And we American people have got to think beyond our own borders, our own concerns, and participate in the sufferings of Christ through participation in some way in the sufferings of people around the world. And uh, I think the best place to start is in prayer. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, That's that verse we read, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. How about letting me pray? Yes. Yes, please do, Pastor. Lord, our hearts are thrilled as we think of our lives, especially the lives of those who have suffered for the name of Christ, as in this way, participating in Christ's sufferings. The Apostle Paul could tell us that the reproaches of those who approach thee have fallen upon us. And we do thank you for this but we would commit into your hands our friends around the world and pray that you will meet their needs, whatever they may be. And we pray also that we may be sober-minded, clear-minded, that we may think as Christian people and in this way be active members of the whole body of Christ. Deliver us from self-centeredness. Deliver us from selfishness. And deliver us from that desire for softness that makes us recoil from the realities of a life as a true testimony for Christ Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Pastor Cole, thanks for being with us this week here on Join the Journey. And Michael, as we conclude, can we ask that you and Ken again take us back to that great thought in the song, To the Overcomers. The overcomers come to understand That they are precious poems printed In the palms of his hands And to the one who overcomes I'll give the manna He'll have a pure white stone With his own secret name She will possess the morning star In all its splendor All this and more for them Because they overcame All this and more for them Because they overcame All this and more for them Because they overcame A meaningful song that wraps up the first half of this podcast. If what you're hearing has stirred you to want to explore the scriptures further, look online for more from Michael that can help. You'll find music, the latest book release, The Nazarene, and news about upcoming conferences at michaelcard.com. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to look through the podcast archive for an extensive collection of classic and current editions to hear and enjoy. And we're always glad to hear from listeners. Post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or send your comments, questions, and song requests via email to in the studio at michaelcard.com. 
Coming up, more music and conversation waiting for you after this message in the studio with Michael Card. I'm so glad the Holy Land Illustrated Bible is this month's featured resource. I spent a lot of time traveling throughout Israel, and I learn new things about the life situation of the scriptures every time I go. This Bible edition reminds me of where I've been in Israel, and I hope it'll make the scriptures come alive for you too. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible at csbible.com and read more about this unique study tool. And when you order, apply your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through Lifeway. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with Lifeway. The Holy Land Illustrated Bible is packed with hundreds of pictures, articles, maps, and illustrations that will bring the ancient world to life. Dig deep into the text with the helpful study tools as you discover the meaning and message of God's Word to you today. I hope you take advantage of this beautiful and well-thought-out study edition of the Bible. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible now at csbible.com. Mike, we're going back to the archive here in just a moment. Some very special moments from several years ago. Yeah, a chance for Scott and I, Scott Rowley and I, to sing a song together that we both really love. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Yeah, I can't think of a better worship song than this Come Worship the Lord to introduce our conversation with Scott. Yeah. And uh, Dr. William Lane will participate as well. Your dear friend and uh, Fernando Ortega will be with us as well, coming up in the Mm -hmm. studio. So this, uh, let's get started with this song now. Here's Scott and Michael together. Come worship the Lord.
Well, that's Michael Card and Scott Rowley, a song of worship to begin our program here today. Uh, Scott, you I guess we could call you kind of the singing pastor, can't we? Well, it's a joy to sing with Mike, and uh, <laughs> I got to travel with him for a, a number of years, so yeah. it's fun to be I remember one of those concerts a long time ago in Chicago. Fernando, we're going to hear you join these guys later on, and Bill, we're going to turn to you about the scriptures here in a moment. But Michael, we're here to talk about our response of worship uh, to the Lord, who's done so much and just saving us, period. Yeah, and we, we want to look at a passage of Scripture that uh, introduces us to a bigger definition of worship. I think American Christianity tends to focus on what we do or uh, a, a very small segment of time every week uh, immediately preceding a sermon, and that's worship. But mm-hmm. the truth is the Word of God uh, gives us a vast, all-encompassing, uh, all-embracing sort of definition of what it means to worship God. I'm anxious to talk about this. Do you have a text in mind for yeah, us? We'd like to look in, in Romans 12 and, uh, and have Bill uh, help us unpack that and, and see the context within the book. Uh, Romans 12:1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Bill, right off, we see that uh, worship is is a response. It's something that we turn to God in in response to what he's done for us. Yes. I think that therefore is a very significant term because it thrusts us within the context of Romans itself. Uh, Many persons are familiar with some of the great texts from Romans 1 through 8. A section that tends to be overlooked or at least neglected in reflection within the pew and the pulpit is Romans 9 through 11. And it seems to me that the therefore would send us back immediately to that section which precedes this great text on worship. And what is Romans 9 through 11 all about? It is about God's reliability. Hmm. Now, that question came up precisely because when Paul wrote to the Church of Rome in about the year 56 of the first century, most of the congregations that were being formed were Gentile congregations. It looked as if all the promises of God to Israel were being transformed to Gentile peoples. And that raised the question, what about Israel? Has God forgotten his promises to Israel? In Romans 9 through 11, Paul shows God has by no means forgotten Israel. He loves Israel, and so does Paul. And what is demonstrated in Romans 9 through 11 is that God has a plan for Israel. It is a plan that's tied up with what we call the remnant principle. It's a principle whereby God has to enter into judgment with his people. And only certain of God's people are left behind after judgment has passed through the land. The fact that judgment had to be imposed is itself an expression of failure. But the fact that there is a remnant at all, that anyone is left, is an expression of God's mercy. Hmm. 
And so what Paul demonstrates is that same remnant principle is now being imposed upon Gentiles as well as Jews, that is to say, upon the whole human family. God is graciously calling a people to himself, and our response is the response of a life of worship. Scott, I'm just looking here. Bill mentioned uh, all the way through chapter 11. Look at the last few verses of chapter 11. From verse 33 of Romans 11, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Sounds like worship to me. Right. This is um, obviously Paul caught up with passion in reflecting this hymn. Mike, you had some uh, ideas in terms of how that's significant to the first two verses of chapter 12. Well, I'd asked Bill earlier uh, if that was significant, that right after a brief worship passage, then comes this instruction on worship. Well, those of you men who are lyricists, and I know that all three of you are, uh, can recognize there is a lyrical strain in what is obviously an early Christian confession and perhaps an early Christian hymn. Mm -hmm. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I mean, Paul is just speaking out of the depth of his own experience with the Lord God as he reflects on God's faithfulness. I wonder, Fernando, if you're already thinking about how to set this to music. (laughs) Well, what I like so much about it is the perspective that it's a response. He says, in view of God's mercy, and then, you know, that, that it seems like all worship has to be born out of the right perspective of of who God is and, and worship mm-hmm. is is an act that without humility you can't you can't really find or you can't experience, you know. When we think of either theological reflection or reflection on how God has acted in history, Bill is so so it, his ability to bring that to life is is so challenging and real. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is happening in the heart of Paul. He's reminding us, here is what God has done, done all through our worship experience in our life day to day. It's this constant remembering that God is the God of redemption, that he, he saves the remnant. It's for his purpose and glory. And that can't help but bring a response like this kind of either the picture of music and lyric or the picture of working with the poor or the picture of mm-hmm. extending that same mercy to others. What is the – you have a device for teaching that. What is that? Well, I think um, – Again, with Bill here, it's uh, it's always so humbling. But when I work with students, for instance, to be able to take Romans twelve one and to to melt it down, as it were, to um, somewhat of uh, a formula to be able to understand the elements of worship, uh, we use the words remember the redemption and respond. And in the cycle of worship, even in the event on Sunday morning, you'll notice in the elements of worship, whether it's the sacraments, the preaching of the word, the reading of the word, prayer. Um, the collection, those are all, in a sense, reminding us of the redemption, and then there's that offered response. The call to worship, the dialogue, God calls us to worship, we respond. So I think remembering the redemption and responding is where I'm sort of focusing. If I forget one of those, or if I misuse or abuse one of those three, in a sense, sections, Mm -hmm. I'm somehow not remembering, I'm not 
you know, allowing God to teach me through his history and context, if I'm not, in, in that sense, understanding his redemptive purpose with the remnant, and, and then if I'm not responding, somehow I'm not biblical, somehow mm. I'm not getting the full orb of, mm. of uh, his desire for worship. I'm hearing already, Bill, that it's, worship is not an event. It's, a, it's really a lifestyle, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's what the impact of verse 2 of chapter 12 is all about, that the life of worship is the life where you say yes to the will of God in your life. You find that that will is good and pleasing and perfect. It's where our thoughts are brought into captivity to Christ. So we're no longer simply conformed to the pattern of a world that refuses to recognize the presence of God and the mercies of God. And we are transformed because we are renewed from within, beginning with the mind. Hmm. As the life of God begins to flesh itself out in our flesh. Fernando, is this what goes through your mind when you sing a song of worship or you write a worship song? Well, definitely. I mean, a large part of it is that, is, is recognizing, just trying to figure out for me how, how that, what Dr. Lane is talking about, how it ends up finding its expression in, in, uh, in my life or, or, you know, in the life of other believers. Mm. And I guess I'm always drawn, drawn to that because I know that it definitely goes beyond just meeting together on Sundays, you know, that the, the, it's a daily, a daily thing, a daily living out. And it can't be, and it, you know, a lot of times it ends up with, with myself anyway, being rather self-conscious or something, but that really, but it, it really is, worship is not a bauble that you put on like you're a, a Christmas tree or something like that, but, mm-hmm. but that it really is um, your response as you, as the living God makes himself known to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, what impresses me, Wayne, is how important the words of Romans 12, 1 and 2 are. You remember it said, therefore, in the light of God's mercy. Where did that word mercy come from? Well, we've looked at the great doxology in Romans eleven thirty three to 36, but I want you to pick up at verse 28, about halfway through of chapter 11, where we read that or verse 29, that God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God's gifts to the human family, God's generosity, and God's call upon our life. He never withdraws it. It is irrevocable. And all of a sudden, Paul begins to think of God's mercy. He says, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too, that is Israel, have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men and women the whole human family, over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. And when you begin to think of the reliability of God and the generosity of God and God's pouring mercy upon the whole human family, no wonder you break forth in song. Hmm. Uh, Break forth in song. But Michael, in our culture, do we equate music with worship? Is, Is music the only form of worship? 
I think, unfortunately, that's that's as big as our equation tends to be. And that's why the, this passage, Romans 12, it was a wake-up call for me. It was, at the same time, it was also a very comforting thing because uh, something in me never really resonated with the, the American idea of coming in Sunday morning after uh, a week of busyness and, uh, uh, frankly, not thinking about the Lord that much or, or experiencing His grace that much and trying to worship. I found that I was never really able to do it. I always felt like a, sort of a second-class citizen and still struggle with that, frankly. And Paul's word to me in Romans is a very freeing thing. It's a diagnosis uh, of my condition and of the, the false notions that I and a lot of other people in America have about worship, that it, it is a lifestyle. And it, it has to be, Bill always said that true worship, and Fernando, I think, has said this a couple of times, too, just in the last few moments, true worship is always response. You know, it's a response to God's Word, and it's an overflow. It has to be an overflow of a life of worship. And we see that here, as Bill said, in the end of chapter 11. So clearly, Paul thinks about the mercy of God. He overflows. But Scott, if we don't feel like worship at the moment, do we do we still find a way to ascribe that that uh, glory? Well, I think part of the problem with the question is we. Is it really focused on who we are and what yeah. we feel? Mm-hmm. And I think too often part of the, the same dilemma or the frustration Mike has would be as I'm walking out of a service, was that good worship mm-hmm. determined by subjectively, you know, in a subjective way? Did it feel way, good? Did it feel good, good? Point. Yeah. good point. And I think we, if, we, if we get away from that to say God has regulated worship in his scripture, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we, we learn about him, his events, his... his his history, his work, his purpose, his goal, all of that's there. And I think when we, we think of a way of worshiping in spirit and truth, we had spoken earlier of John 4, mm-hmm. there are elements without trying to truncate this. And Bill's always warning us about pulling things in and out of context. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to comprehensively look at worship. But I think I do struggle with you know, this idea um, somehow that if I feel good about it, it was good before God. Mm-hmm. It really is that's why it is a dialogue. Mike's right. I have to hear from God, and then I respond to Him. And it's that ongoing uh, dialogue. That's, that's, in a sense, the living worship. That's the living sacrifice, excuse me, that is spiritual worship. And that is daily. And, Scott, I want to pick up on that thought of dialogue because as you use the word response, and we have used it uh, throughout our conversation It seems to be another R needs to be thrown into the conversation, and that's relationship. Mm, It's wonderful. You see, God responds to us with reliability and with generosity and with mercy. But the interesting fact is that our worship is a response to God, and we read in Romans 12, 1, why we offer our bodies as living sacrifices— And this is holy and pleasing to God. In other words, there is a response that God receives from us that delights him. And if it pleases him, we should be paying attention to that. Absolutely. God delights in us, and we are able to increase that delight as we are responsive, as we are in relationship. And it seems to me that that's what that second verse is all about. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It has no relationship with God. Hmm. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might have 
a vital, vibrant relationship with God. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to do the will of God, which shows you are in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Seems like you should be able to experience God's delight and his pleasure in the most mundane parts of the week, too. I liked what Mike was saying that when you come on Sundays, I, and you hear it all the time, you know, let's let's forget the week and refocus our thoughts back on God, as mm-hmm. though the week, you didn't know, count. didn't yeah. count or yeah. something. But th- but it seems like um, you you can't separate. I mean, that God's pleasure and delight should be working themselves out as you uh, wash dishes or or change the oil in your car, and ex- you should experience Him on that level and 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 know, you know. What worship is there also? And Scott, isn't there a sense in which we look to others to entertain us or or lead us in worship instead of it being our response? Well, I think in some sense the others, more importantly, would be in the context of community. I think that's always been uh, the reality, even as he's writing to Rome. And and I think, Bill, I'd love to hear more about this, but the the Jewish expulsion, the leadership that has been, there's been an expulsion of leadership. The fact is there's a community void. And I think in some sense, we do need leadership. We do need those that are that are in charge. But this is, in some sense, a call to um, to all of us, brothers. Um, you know, there's a plural. There's that, the reality of us being brothers and sisters, um, the, the body. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm also uh, really curious about how the community of faith um, works through these, works this not only as an individual, but really in the context of community together in corporate. Uh, that has to do with not just the event on Sunday. I'm talking about an event through the week, 24-7, that is the community. Yeah, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, that's really helpful. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. So praise Him for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Praise Him in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth, shelters thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how thy desires have been granted in what he ordaineth? life and breath come now with praises before him let the amen sound from his people again gladly for i we adore him let the amen sound from his people again gladly for i we adore him
you, Mike. Praise to the Lord. Uh, Earlier, we heard from Scott Rowley and Dr. William Lane and Fernando Ortega. Still earlier, Don Cole. Are you having the same reaction I'm having to hearing these voices again, Mike? Yeah, it's um, in a very basic way, it makes me appreciate the technology that we have to listen to people who you know, have gone home to be with the Lord, people who have meant so much to both of us. And uh, you were you were closer to Don. And of course, I was yeah. probably closer to Bill. And uh, and and to remember back, uh, I mean, along with people that are like you and me who are still here, and Scott Rowley. And Scott and, and Fernando. And yeah. Fernando, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it's this wonderful place where we we all come together around these the, the theme of worship, these wonderful passages of Scripture that we looked at. To hear Bill talk about Romans again, Bill, who you know ha- probably knew as much about Paul as anyone alive, so uh, yeah, it was a it was a it was a good time to listen back to. We're so glad you joined us for this session. It's our prayer that the music and conversation was used by God to grow your faith and enrich your understanding of the Christian life. Please share your reactions to this hour. Post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. Write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link. And you can always send your reactions, questions, or song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your comments. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that can help you get serious with God's Word. This month, we're featuring the Holy Land Illustrated Bible. Immerse yourself in the world at the time the Scripture was written. There's hundreds of pictures, helpful charts, and articles and illustrations about the situation in Bible times that will bring the Scripture to life. Search for Holy Land Illustrated Bible. When you order, use the promotion code in the studio typed with no spaces, and you'll receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us next week for the release of a new podcast edition. And now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for sitting in on this session, In the Studio with Michael Carr.